everyone. This is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, episode number 80. I am Joe Sebelia. Before we get started with this week's guest, if you can do me a huge favor, head on over to YouTube and find us over there. You can just search the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, and you will find our new YouTube channel where you can see a video version of this conversation and all our conversations coming up. Make sure you go over there and subscribe. Also click that bell so you can be notified when we post new videos. I would really appreciate that. That would really help out this podcast. Now on to tonight's guest. My guest tonight is Rob Lane. Rob is the host of the Straight to Video podcast, which is probably one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. He is also a musician who has played in numerous bands, finding himself in Bullet Boys, Jet Boy, Teenage Casket Company, just to name a few. Rob is also a huge 80s fan. He's a fan of the music and the movies of the 80s, which is right up my alley, as you know. So I had a great time talking to Rob about all the music, TV, and movies of the 80s. We discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Don't forget to go over to YouTube, hit that subscribe and the bell. Also, find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at r Coffee Show. Thanks for listening. Hello, sir. How are you there? What's up, buddy? Hey, you got me. I got you. All right, straight in. Yeah, nice and clear. No problems. I'm new to this, so it's always good when there's no problems. Excellent. How are you, Joe? Good to see you, man. Oh, you know what? I'm doing all right. It's a, it's a little early here, but uh, thanks for joining me. Mate, why so early? Is this the only time we could get it well, in? It is. You, I mean, you know how it is being a podcaster. I mean, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And with the time difference, this was like the best time, I guess. Awesome, I got to go man. to work in a little bit. I still have to do that work thing, you know? Wow. What time do you stop? I got to be there at seven. All right. So I figured, you know what? Let's just do it beforehand. Sweet, man. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Very cool of you. No. Yeah. I appreciate you joining me. I've been excited to, uh, to chat with you. I've been a fan of the show for a while. Thank you. uh, Likewise. Yeah. I love the vibe of yours. It's so chilled and relaxed and yeah, yeah my, well thank you very much coffee man. i'm all set got, to go yeah we're good <laughs> good to go sweet from yeah so yeah near nottingham everyone knows robin hood country so. what was it like growing up out there it was great i had i mean i was a big as you could probably tell from the show i was a big pop culture kid yeah. and um i kind of had this cool dynamic in a way um my mom and dad well it's not that's not a cool element but my mom, mom and dad split up when i was like three and a half four years old and my dad Mm. moved to the usa um so i had this kind of multi-dynamic thing so i always had always had this connection with america uh, with my dad being over there so i used to spend summer vacations there and stuff like that so i love everything about america so it's always been in my heart so as you can see from the wall i think everything's yeah yeah american pop culture related when how old were you when you first came over to the states do you remember um i think it was I keep trying to figure it out because it was at my very first Halloween. Okay. Um, I think it was 1982, I believe. Okay. Okay. So I was you remember like, what you were for Halloween? Yeah, I was Boba Fett. The plastic with the plastic face. Yep. Those like the cheap masks which you get, like the yeah. suit. I got it from. Where did we get it from? I think I got it from. It might have been Walgreens. I think. Okay. Okay. I was Boba <laughs> Fett as well when I was a kid yes. with the plastic suit and the mask. You and I have a very similar 
uh, path that we've taken. It, it from what I know of you, it, it's very similar. I mean, we're into the same stuff, kind of, uh, you know, same music, same everything. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and now, love... now you were Boba Fett, Boba Fett, as well as I was. <laughs> and there's a bass. <laughs> we each got a bass in the background. Yeah, and you got a plaid shirt on. There you go. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, but yeah, so those costumes, those were something else back in the day. Yeah, for sure. Is it scary or sad that I've still got mine? <laughs> Do you have it right by you? Not right by me. Oh, no. man. It's in uh, the attic. I don't have the mask because those things just disintegrated. Mm, They're just cracked. Yeah. And, but the, the suit, it's like, it's brand new. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> We got to get, get on in some, it anymore. I, I want to see that thing sometime. I've got a photograph. I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I wish I had a photograph of mine. But yeah, I kind of left turned a little bit. But yeah, growing up was great. I always lots of friends, no mm. problems. Cool. The school was literally just down the road from me. Still is. Okay. Um, yeah. The reason I'm in the bedroom I grew up in, my mum moved away from me when mm-hmm. I was like. Uh, about 19 something like that she moved to wales um and me and my girlfriend and now my wife we took over the house so um, i've been in this place for like over 40 years (laughs) wow yeah you ever get the urge to want to go somewhere else or no not really um we've got great neighbors it's a great area and i mean i've been playing in bands for the last 25 years and i always Mm. say to people we're right in the middle of the country so Mm. i can get to anywhere pretty much other yeah, than makes the tip of Scotland within a few hours. So um, it's a really convenient place. Yeah, yeah. Were you into sports or, when you were a kid or was it all music or what, what were um, you into? I'm going to go soccer because I know you guys call it soccer. Um, you, you, I was into that. Football? Yeah, we call it football. Yeah. Um, I was into that big time, like pretty much everybody over here. Um, the team was Nottingham Forest, who I supported, and we had a legendary manager called Brian Clough, and I was into them around, I think it was maybe 85, 86, 87 time, mm-hmm. right up until when I got into music. Uh, but I also love basketball as well, a big basketball fan. Okay. Um, but I kind of jumped ship before the whole Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. explosion. I was into mm-hmm. Michael Jordan when he first did the tennis shoes and all that kind of stuff yeah uh, but then i, I kind of bailed because i think they had all the big success in, mm-hmm. was it in the very early 90s so i was like knee deep in hair metal by that time yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you find your love for the hair metal scene was it when you were in the states or was that big over where you were i never really got that big over here i mean some of the bands had some big hits i mean obviously bon jovi def mm-hmm. leopard or from sheffield which are like which is like an hour away from me, mm-hmm. uh, but it never exploded like it did over there. That's why hmm. I love going over there. I mean, when I was over there into music in the summers of 90 and 91, when it was still hanging on before everything changed, yeah. just seeing all those bands on MTV was amazing. So right. I think I discovered it from, I always keep telling people it was through movie soundtracks. Okay. Yeah, okay. Obviously, I'm a big film fan. I used to buy the soundtracks, and I think the music kind of got in my head. And eventually, yeah. saw a Poison video in the late '80s, early '90s, and mm-hmm. I was hooked from then. <laughs> did you have MTV over where you were? We did, but not as easily accessible as you okay. guys. Uh, we had it. 
I'm trying to think what access we had to it really. It wasn't until, let me think, you could probably get it in the late 80s, but it didn't become mainstream until well into the 90s over here. Oh, okay. So we just had to kind of grab what little bits we could get. We had something called the chart show, which was mm-hmm. on Saturday mornings. And every three, each week it would do us like a speciality rundown. So one week it would be the dance chart. Next week it would be the alternative chart. And then it'd be the rock chart. So you had to wait about three right. weeks before you got to see these videos, which is, Man. Which is tough. <laughs> yeah. If you're into the, into the rock scene and the videos, yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. And I think it blows people's minds when, because I've got a good friend of mine who we played in bands with for a few years. We're in a band called Teenage Casket Company. Uh, right. Rob Wilde, he plays in Tiger Tales now. I don't know if you remember that band. I do remember Tiger Tales. Yeah, I think I sings- have a, I think I have a cassette tape of Tiger Tales. Is it Berserk? Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, the yeah, that's second what I got. album, I think. Yeah, yeah, he joined them about 10 years ago, and he's the singer for them now. But uh, okay. we were kind of like hard rock brothers when we met in the early 2000s. And it it blows our minds when we speak to people from the States, and you guys had like warrant videos yeah. as the mainstream. That was unheard of over here. Right. We were lucky right. if we got a Poison video or even a Bon Jovi video. <laughs> that's so interesting to me. I, I don't know why... But growing up with those bands, I, I just thought they were just huge everywhere. Yeah, it, you know? it's, it's weird. Other than the really big ones. Um, I mean, like Kiss had some massive hits and Bon Jovi are a stadium band over here still. Mm-hmm. Other than that, not many filtered through. Uh, when Van Halen came over in, I think it was 1995, they actually supported Bon Jovi. Which Oh, wow. Yeah. In 95? Uh, yeah, on the Balance Tour. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's that so, kind of so interesting. baffles people that Van Halen's supporting Bon Jovi. That's like right. really weird. <laughs> right. It is. Yeah. Wow. So you're into all this music and then you were also in, into all the the 80s shows and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. And was that from coming over to the States as well? Or were those shows being, were you able to watch those over there? Um, no, they were big over here. That was one okay. thing that cracked everything from well, probably even going back to the 70s onwards, all those big TV shows, uh, mm-hmm. starting from Six Million Dollar Man, Starsky and Hutch, mm-hmm. right through to the stuff I was into, which was all the classics like Knight Rider, Airwolf. Yeah. Uh, Buck Rogers was a favorite of mine. Buck Rogers? The A-Team, yeah. All that yeah, of- I think I was into uh, probably the A-Team and Knight Rider. Yeah. Knight Rider Classic. had a, um, there was a time where you could send in for the blueprints of Kit. I don't know if you remember that. Wow, no. Yeah, so you could you you had to mail a letter, of course, because there's no email or anything. But you mail in a letter, and they would send you back this blueprints of kit, which I did, and I don't have it anymore, though. Oh, I wish man. I did. I still have a lot of my stuff, all my GI Joes, Star Wars, all those. Yeah, but Excellent. yeah, yeah. But, but it probably cost that. next to nothing. You'd probably have to pay good money for something like that. But back then, you yeah. had to either save some little proofs of purchase or something, and yeah, yeah, get stuff for free. <laughs> yeah, <great>. yeah. <laughs> What were uh, what? So you mentioned some soundtracks. What were some of your favorite soundtracks? Um, the very, I think the very first album which I ever brought was the Flash Gordon soundtrack, which Queen did. Yeah, I mm-hmm. always recall that as being like the first album which I thought, right, I want to go and buy this. Well, whether I brought it or not, I'd still been really young. I'd have been like, I don't know, seven or eight years old, but I've still got right. that with the great yellow cover. Um, but the next one after that was probably the Ghostbusters soundtrack which was huge yeah. for me and my stepsister uh 
we adored that film in 84 when it came out. Yeah, everybody loved that one. That was a yeah. good one. But after that, it was just every time a film came out, I wanted the soundtrack every time. So yeah, stuff like Beverly Hills Cop and Fright Night is a great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so much good stuff. And yeah, just listening to that stuff and there'd be a wide range of music. And also I became a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan in the mid to late 80s. And they always had great hard rock soundtracks on there, like Vinnie Vincent Invasion and Radio's right. daughter and later on the goo goo dolls and all that kind Dockin. of docking was a big exactly one, yeah seeing yeah. the getting the nightmare on elm street 3 vhs cassette and exclusive dock and music video yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember a film called rad i do know the film i've never seen it though the bmx really? movie yeah yeah the bmx movie that was probably yeah. one of my favorite soundtracks right but Who's i used to ride bmx back then so you know and to see him do the tricks and stuff in the movie, then I'd want to be the same person. So exactly. I'd go out with my little radio with the soundtrack playing, trying to do my tricks, hurting I myself. I need to track that movie down. It may be on YouTube or something, but it is one that's always escaped me. Yeah, um, yeah. One of my best friends' his favorite film of all time is Thrashing, the skateboard. Thrashing, movie. yeah. Yeah, that was around the same time, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, and there was another BMX movie. It was called uh, BMX Bandits. Yes, that was. we, uh, we got that one. That was on the cinema over here. Yeah, yeah. Because that was that an Australian film? Yeah, Nicole Kidman's very first film. First, first film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I always, movie. I would. That was my my go to. Was rad soundtrack. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I don't know how deep you got into BMX, but um, the little village which I live in is a tiny, tiny village. But um, one of like the world championship BMX racers, he's from mm-hmm. this village. He's like a couple of years older than me. A guy called Dale Holmes. Um, he lives in the US now, but he was like everybody's hero in the early 80s. Yeah. He a BMX track and just went okay. on to win all these tournaments and just like okay. world champion now. Well, not now, but back in the day. Uh, and now he teaches BMX and all that kind of stuff. So nice, nice. Yeah, I was heavily into it back at probably about, um, oh, I want to say maybe 10 years ago or so. I got to uh, be friends with an actor named Bill Allen who right. played who played the main character in rad oh wow how'd you but, guys get in touch well you know what happened is when i moved to california i'm in south carolina now but i lived in california for a little bit i reached out to him one day because i was doing web design at the time i said hey man you know if you're interested in a website you know i'd love to help you out yeah and he got back to me and that's how we became friends Superb. So that was that was pretty cool you know watching him in the films as a kid being a bmxer and now you know helping him out with his website that was great how does the film hold up these days have you watched it recently i do i watch it with my kids and you know their their attention span with kids these days is a little different than when we were kids so um i still like it but you know i think part of that is just because of what it meant to me back in the exactly. day exactly yeah so pulls on the heartstrings you'll feel warm and fuzzy yeah. when it comes <laughs> right <on>. right <laughs> yeah you have to check it out let me know what you think definitely of it. definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. so so how did you get into music? Like um, how, how did that happen? Did you just come across it or did you know people that played? Or As in like performing and picking yeah, up an yeah. instrument kind of thing. What made you want um, to start playing? Um, I, don't, I think it's once that kind of hard rock bug kicked in properly. I think everybody wants to have a shot at it at some point. Like, right. oh, maybe I could do that. Because I'm a, I'm a pretty... 
I don't know if I'm a shy person. I'm a pretty quiet person, but um, I always, I think everybody likes to show off every now and again. So maybe that was a way to do that. And um, I brought, a friend of mine was selling a guitar, just a regular guitar. I think I brought it for maybe, I don't know, I think it was like 10 pounds, which works out probably like $15 or something. Okay. And uh, I remember bringing it home and sitting, it was probably in this exact room actually, sitting with it on my knee thinking, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? It's so intimidating when you have no idea because I'd never played a musical instrument before, but I took a few guitar lessons. A few, a few friends of mine all started playing guitar at the same time. So mm-hmm. uh, we could all take lessons together and uh, do like jams. My friend owned like a, a bar or a pub, what we call in the local village. And we used to jam in his back room in the where he had a snooker table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we used to play there. And yeah, just one thing led to another. I think about two years in, I always tell the story. I was playing guitar, then um, I met a guy called Todd Jensen from the band Hardline. I don't okay. know if you remember mm-hmm. them from the early 90s. They mm-hmm. were supporting the band Extreme. Yes. In, and we went to see them in Birmingham. And uh, yeah, I met him at the show. And he was the bass player for Hardline. He was just so cool to us. Me and my friend stood talking to us for like 15 minutes. I'd seen him before playing for David Lee Roth. And that was it. Todd Jensen plays bass, so... I'm going to get a bass. <laughs> really? Todd Jensen. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. And he's just got the journey gig. Interestingly, uh, he's playing for journey now. So I was like, wow, wow. I can do no wrong. <laughs> you still, do you, are you in communication with him? Yeah. We, um, one thing which was cool about the band hardline, this is back in the day, way before internet, as you know, and um, used to write to all these bands and they'd actually write back to you. So I used to yeah. get postcards from him and all kinds of things like that. So we kind of stayed in touch that way. Then a few years later, um, he reformed his old band called Sequel from Portland. Um, and I, I did their MySpace page for them and all that kind of thing. MySpace. So we reconnected that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just stayed in touch, not as much as we used to, but we didn't, we're in touch on Facebook and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So um, yeah, he's responsible for the last <laughs> 25 years of my life <laughs> so wait, your first band was that teenage casket company your first I, main main band um no i had a i did like a few local jams with some friends and stuff like that before then um and i was in a band called courtesan which strangely enough this was like in the late 90s uh, that was kind of the first band where i started gigging regularly mm-hmm. um, strangely enough i filled in on bass for them a few weeks ago my friend oh, Johnny wow. kept the band going. Then he rang me up. He says, a bass player can't do this gig. Can you come and play with us again? I was like, so that was kind of surreal going, yeah. rewinding the clock for like 20 years. So we did yeah. that for a few years. Then I joined a band called Dip, which was D-I-P. Um, just a really fun, quirky, odd band. Uh, influences from like Van Halen, Faith No More, Black Sabbath, Weezer, just mm. everything thrown into a pot. Um, and that was kind of the band where I really began to learn, I guess, if you want to call it showmanship on stage, but also stuff like merchandise and releasing a proper CD and all that kind of thing. So this is like, it's probably 2001, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met up with Rob Wild. I don't know if you've ever heard of a club called Rock City in Nottingham, mm-mm, mm-mm. a famous club over here in the UK, one of the best, like holds about 2000 people. So one of the best venues for that kind of okay. 
size band Guns N' Roses played there before they blew up and everybody's played there really over the years um, and we met one night he says I'm putting together this band well you can probably remember early 2000s all the kind of music we were into the hard rock stuff it was nowhere to be seen mm. so he, he says I want to put together this band that's kind of like all American rejects and um, trying to think of the other bands Butch Walker mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff just the power pop kind of thing so I was like right. I am in so yeah and that's when Teenage Casket Company began and that was the band which kind of I don't know why it took us to America, took us to Europe, did a bunch of CDs, um, played with many of our heroes, got to see even like guys from Danger Danger came out to see us when we played in New York and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. for us, tell the 16, 17 year old version of us that Steve West and Bruno Ravel are going to come out and see you. We'd be like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Now, did they know the band or did you guys know them? Or Yeah, we got to know them just as fans, really. Um, and they kind of dug what we were into. So we'd stayed in touch and, um, yeah, awesome. they came out to see us on two occasions. So, um, Steve West came to see us at Don Hills in Manhattan. The first time we went over to the States, right? Holy crap. Okay. Steve West from danger dangers here. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's always the, fun when that yeah. happens. Then the following year, both him and Bruno came along, um, to watch his play. So yeah, they've always been really cool supporters okay. of everything we've done really. Okay. And then you played a little bit with uh, Bullet Boys. Yep. Right. How'd that happen? Um, that was that was cool for me because I th- I think Bullet Boys are one of those really great bands from that era. Proper mm-hmm. standout bands. The the first album, well, the first three albums still sound incredible. Yeah, that first album day. is is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how that happened was, you've probably been to gigs where there's just like one guy from the original lineup Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like hired guns and all this kind of stuff. Sure. um, I'd been seeing quite a few bands come to Nottingham where one tour in particular, I think it was, who was it? It was, I think it was bang tango and pretty boy Floyd. Okay. It was just uh, Steve Summers from pretty boy Floyd and Joe Lestay from bang tango. And they had the same band for each set. I was like, well, this is cool. The guys in the band are really cool, but it'd been, be quite cool if it was a different band each time yeah so all, all i did was message the booking agents found out who the booking agent was for that tour emailed them and says hey i play bass here's the bands i play in here's some photographs if you ever need anybody when they come to the uk give me a shout didn't hear anything back not even a reply thanks very much or anything then maybe three months later this email drops into my inbox saying hey this is such and such from it was artists worldwide how do you want to play bass for Bullet Boys on a UK European tour with Enough's Enough and Faster Pussycat? Just like no that. audition. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, so yeah. they put a lot of trust in me on that one, uh, or they were very desperate. So yeah, <laughs> rocked up at the Heathrow Airport on the first day of the tour. Didn't well, I, I knew Chips Enough. He was the okay. only guy I've met before. Um but other than that, I didn't know anybody. And yeah, it was straight in. That's amazing. Two, two songs at Soundcheck. Away you go. <laughs> so so when you walk into the room, what does Mark say to you? He, I mean, he's the only guy from Bullet Boys there. But I mean, was he like approving or did he just, he's that's like, what he got? It was pretty quiet at first. I think everyone was jet lagged because it was an early morning <laughs> flight. But it was like, hey, thanks for doing this. And that was about <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, 
but it went it went great everybody on that tour was awesome and i love mark Daly. he's mm-hmm. a great guy we've i did a few tours with him and we've always stayed in touch um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to see that band back together again now the original line yeah to me is great and they still look cool yeah sound yeah. badass yeah i've seen some of their clips i haven't seen them but i've seen some of their clips recently and it, it it's killer yeah but i can't get job. mark on the podcast i cannot get him on the podcast <laughs> have you asked him <laughs> yes many times <laughs> like did he verbally did you ask him or through email just through uh whatsapp uh-huh. email everything when you got to come on my show yeah i'm up for it i'll do it i'll do it oh Still yeah that's one, one of the struggles of being a podcaster is uh yeah. getting those getting some guests sometimes i can get mick Swader, yeah, yeah guitarist who i've never met before <laughs> you never met him <laughs> no. yeah I, I had mick on on my show too he was a great guy he's, he was he's a really cool i think all of them seem like great dudes yeah jimmy seems I, really cool and lonnie's just got a great chilled laid-back vibe to him i'd love you know, to meet I, lonnie when I was a kid, we used to just go on tour buses when I was a kid back in the day. You know, security wasn't as, as tight as it is now. So what was we, the first one? The first bus? Yeah, first, or, or the first band that you met on the tour bus. Oh, man. I don't remember the first one, but I walked on Bullet Boy's bus one time and Lonnie flipped out on me. <laughs> that was the first time anybody ever flipped out. He's like, you can't just walk on here. This is our home. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm only like 16, 17, yeah. you know. I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck you, dude. You know, wow. I'll leave. <laughs> but most of the time, believe it or not, they, they just look at you. And it was like, they didn't know who you were. They just, you just sit down and start talking. Awesome. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we used to do all kinds of fun stuff like that. Where was that at? That was in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I grew up, was in, in the Tampa area, in Florida. I bet all those bands came through that way, right? Yes, yes. Back in the day, I mean, I saw, I, I mean, you name it, I, I probably saw them. Yeah. Yeah. My dad oh. used to take me when I was really young, when I was 14 or so, he used to take me to anybody that came through town. Because we used to get to see them in, there was a town called Lakeland that was close by Tampa. And then Fort Myers was a couple hours away, Fort Myers, Florida. So they the bands would always play those two cities sweet so we used to go to both shows motley crew you know uh actually saw motley crew with guns and roses opening up that was a fun tour man and your dad was into all that stuff as well he was into it too yeah he would take me yeah and just let me do my thing judas priest cinderella you name it we went good times yeah there's so many bands i've not seen no No. who's somebody you you want to see or would have liked to seen um well i never saw warrant with janie lane which is a, a massive bummer uh-huh. um another to- story i always tell i had tickets to see them with opening for david lee roth um back in the day you used to buy your tickets from the local record shop and you also brought a bus ticket as well so you went on like a coach trip to the gig and um we had tickets for david lee roth and warrant in when was it 1991 i believe on the little ain't enough tour and we got on the bus, everybody's there. And the guy gets thrown, oh, we just found out um, the support band have canceled. He didn't know who mm-hmm. they were. They've mm-hmm. been replaced. And just me and my friend, we were gutted. Yeah. Because that uh, was the main reason we were going, because we got the Cherry down. Pie album. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, apparently they they'd played the night before. And the story is that Janie fell through the stage and cracked some ribs. Uh. I, I don't know the whole truth of that story. <laughs> um, but you do know they weren't there. 
I do know they went there, <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, it got me 100% into David Lee Roth because I was still new to stuff. I knew of yeah. Van Halen, uh-huh. um, but I didn't know that much. But Dave was great. So um, that was it- a semi-bonus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a huge Van Halen fan, right? Yeah, they became like my go-to band, really. Okay. Um, I was super late getting into him it was like the front lawful carnal knowledge album so i was like okay well late into the day um i'd, I'd knew like jump and why can't this be love they the were hits, the only yeah. really big hits in the uk mm-hmm. um but i always say it was cool for me i got into them heavily i could mm-hmm. get a brand new van halen album every week <laughs> <laughs> there you go. yeah they were my first concert actually it was the 5150 tour oh sweet yeah beat bachman turner overdrive opening for them that live without a net yeah. VHS. I always say, you show me a band that's having more fun on stage yeah. during that time. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, they it's were so great. Good. So so after Bullet Boys, I mean, did that open doors for you, for your career? It did. Um, for a while, I kind of became a bit of a go-to guy for anybody coming to the UK. Uh, I got to know the guys from Enough's Enough on that initial tour. And um, through that, Randy Scott, the drummer of Enough's Enough at the time, he played with a guy called Tori Stoffrigan. I don't know if you crossed mm-hmm. paths with him at all. Uh, amazing guitarist. But he had he had a band called the Black Mollies, um, which was very in the vein of like Everclear and Lit, all those kind of really yeah. cool late 90s bands. And um, we did a couple of tours with them. Same thing, Randy and Tori flew over. Um, and I play bass on those tours and those songs were so good. If anyone loves lit or Everclear or any of that kind of stuff, check out the black mollies. Cause it's mm-hmm. so well done. And Tori has gone on me and Tori played in the bullet boys in 2009. Um, and now Tori plays in enough's enough full time. Um, he's been with them for wow. quite okay. a few years now. And what else did I do? Um, another enough's enough connection, Johnny Monaco, was playing in mm-hmm. enough's enough we did a solo tour of the uk with him um and then yeah i went to the states with bullet boys for a three-week tour that was kind of another last minute thing i was sat at work on a monday i knew they was going out on tour they'd got lonnie back in the band and i got a text from rich the drummer dude we've fired lonnie how soon can you no. be over here <laughs> <laughs> and i just showed it my manager i says um you know there's a couple of weeks holiday i've got any chance I could use them like now. So I got the text on Monday on uh, Wednesday evening. I was in Minneapolis. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Three weeks, man. You, you've got, you've got all the luck in the world, sir. Uh, (laughs) That's amazing. I've missed out on a lot of things. I've missed out on a lot of things. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's very cool. How you went out to, you sent that email. Yeah, you know that leads to, to that. so many things. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, fantastic. That that's what they say. Like, always do something that kind of scares. And when the email came back in, I had a bunch of things lined up for those two weeks. I'm like, uh, can I really cancel these things? Is it worth the hassle? And I'm yeah. so glad I did cancel them and learn those songs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. I mean, I always like to say, you know, the answer is always going to be no if you don't ask, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the worst can happen? Someone tells you no. Yeah, happens to me all the time with the guests on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just don't on mine. I just don't hear anything back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens a lot too. <laughs> uh, so now, a straight to video podcast was not originally a podcast. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, uh, that was my being a non songwriter. That was my solo project. <laughs> okay, and it was a cover project. Yeah, uh, going back to the movie soundtrack thing, um, I thought. I don't write songs. I've been very, I always say I've been very lucky to be in bands with some amazing songwriters. Why don't uh, you write? Uh, I did when I first started, mm-hmm. um, but then started playing in bands. I'm like, my songs aren't as good as these guys. Uh, and I was happy just to be a part of the band. Um, yeah. So um, I thought, but I want to do something on my own. So I thought, I'm trying to think some of the stuff that in, inspired me. And I think strangely, one of them was, um, Ricky Rocket's solo album. I don't know if you ever remember that. I don't it, remember that. Was it Glitter for Your Soul or something? Yeah. He did this like throwback 1970s glam rock thing where he just did cover versions and got all his friends to play I on the album. That up. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember when it was. It must have been like 99 or something like that. Um, so my initial thing for straight to video was I want something which encompasses everything I'm into films, movies, pop culture. Um, so I thought I'll put together a cover band to do movie soundtrack songs. I know enough people, but I soon realized that putting together a band like that is a lot harder yeah, <laughs> than yeah. I realized it would be. Um, and I was just speaking to a friend of mine, Casey at a gig one time, he knew about, I was doing this thing and he, he says, how's the, straight to video thing going i says man i can't get a band together and he Mm. says well why don't you just do it as a recording project i'm like oh that's what ricky rocky did i can do this (laughs) so yeah that was started as like a cover band recording movie soundtrack song so rather than a a full band i got my friend mickey to play all the drums then i just got let's call them special guests yeah to do all the other stuff different singers different guitarists me on bass occasionally do some singing um, and did an EP, which turned into an album, and then I've just done the occasional song ever since. Um, yeah, and you're still doing it. Yeah, I just did a mm. cover of Fastway's Trick or Treat yep. for my Halloween single. I've got that. <laughs> yes, you ordered right a T-shirt, there. boss. Thank Upside you. It made it. Yeah. it made it. <laughs> it made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so, how did it turn into a podcast? Um, Everybody's got a podcast, right? Yeah, you and I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time. Uh, I, I was a big fan of like Kevin Smith's podcast, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, when that came out and um, started listening a lot to Mark Maron's podcasts. And again, lockdown, it gave I'm the least technical person in the world. Everything I've got set up here, uh-huh. it's never going to move because if I, unplug something I'm, i have no idea where, where it goes yeah. back in i'm the same way uh, yeah so i found a youtube video during lockdown of this guy that explained everything this is what you need this uh, gave you reasonably good sound quality because so i always wanted it to sound pretty good yeah uh, and i had some time on my hands so i thought right i used to do a fanzine in when was it in the early 2000s so i used to i got into the method of interviewing bands it wasn't new to me um and i kind of missed it i'd spent mm-hmm. like 10 years gigging i thought i miss speaking bands and making those connections with people um 
so yeah, the podcast allowed me to do that in the modern way instead of a printed fanzine. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's now a recorded audio one. So um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been loving it, man. I say, I mean, you you must find it rewarding as well. Yeah, yeah. I started this just you know just for a fun thing. I used yeah. to like yourself. I had something going on before my podcast, but it was more of a. It was probably ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, I had a website called coffeestain.com. And right, that, that's where that, that comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have a radio show we did out of our garage. We built a little studio and we would have local bands. It wasn't on like, you know, a national level, mm-hmm. but we'd have local bands come in the studio and, and chat with them like we're chatting now. And we would record it just on a video camera and then convert it to like a real audio file. I don't know if you remember that format, mm-hmm. but that's what we used to do. And then, uh, you know, the buddy that I started this show with, we just decided, why don't, why don't we do a podcast? Yeah. So sweet. Very similar. Has the response See? been? Has the response been to it? It's, it's been hard good. to gauge sometimes. Isn't it? It, it is real hard because, you know, you see numbers and then certain episodes get higher numbers than others. And you're like, like drastically different. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what happened here? Because some, <laughs> the one that gets higher sometimes has, is to you, not as popular as a guest that should have had more. Mm-hmm. so it, i'm still learning it i'm still trying to yeah. figure out how everything works yeah it's fun though it's it's a lot more work than i thought it would be <laughs> yeah it it, it it gets to be a lot of work that, but that's why i started was for fun yeah. and like you said now you know booking and scheduling and editing and you know it's a lot of work yeah especially when you're doing it yourself do you do everything yourself everything yeah yeah me too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a control freak as well when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have kids or no? I don't know, unfortunately, okay. no. Uh, I've, I think maybe I'd, I would have liked to have kids, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you, this- I've got three living at home, and sometimes I'll come in here and my cords will be unplugged from my little thing. So I got to figure it That's back That's a deal out. breaker. So, yeah. So I'm telling you, just be ready if you have kids. Sweet. Man. Uh, so, I mean, where do you see your podcast going? What would you like it to uh, become? Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell you. Um, I mean, I started a Patreon page last year um, just to try and, cause I actually quit my, I was working at a printing company for like mm. over 20 years. Um, which was awesome. I could have like rode that out until retirement. Uh-huh. It was great with the music as well. Cause um, they were really accommodating when I had tours. Uh, most of the time I was lucky. I could use holiday time um, for touring. Even when we was like full on with teenage casket company in the early two thousands, I think we did um, Rob Wilder be able to give me the actual number, but I think we did close about 150 gigs one year. Okay. Um, that's good. And I never had to take, any well it never caused any problems with my work i'd like work drive That's a plus. come home mm-hmm. yeah um yeah we hammered it for a few years um and yeah i could have rolled out in that job until retirement but i thought i'm in my fort well late forties now and right. i gotta change i gotta do something different so um yeah i made the leap just after lockdown and um so the podcast has been keeping me busy they say consistency is the key to it just keep churning out those episodes Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to see grow a little community on Patreon or something like that and mm-hmm. help things tick over. Um, is that all you do is the podcast? I do the podcast. Um, I still do some design stuff through my contacts from printing and things like okay. that. So, um, and I've got this little 
little mini business which i call arcade frames i don't know if you see me posting yes i wanted that, i so. wanted to i'm glad you brought that up because i want to get into that oh so, cool man yeah, yeah that's what like little little lego minifigures or something right yeah 47 year old man quit his job to go play with lego <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well tell Stick me it about to the man <laughs> tell me about these arcade frames i mean how did that start i mean how much time uh, is involved in that um how it started was uh i got a I got one, well, not one of mine, but I got pretty much the same thing as a gift for Christmas from um, my nephew, which was just this little frame, this little box frame, which had these cool horror figures in it, little like Lego style minifigures. I was like, oh, that's great. And my ego, <laughs> big head thought, that's great, but I can do better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it was another way to do a pop culture thing. And um, get my interests out that way. So yeah, I thought, how easy is it to get these figures? What do I need to do? So I found a website that I didn't realize you could get as many cool, like eighties themed minifigures. Um, so I found a bunch of get Lost Boys ones. I thought, oh, this really? is amazing. Um, so yeah, I just started from then. Did a, a few designs, about ten designs, put them up online. People seem to like them, and it's just kind of snowballed since then. Mm -hmm. I thought oh, maybe I could sell these at conventions. Um, so I started doing small stalls at conventions in the local area, and it's just grown and grown. I did one, a big one in Liverpool, a whole weekend thing, which was one of the proper comic cons. Okay. I was what we call bricking it over that one. I thought, <laughs> Is this going to cost me a lot of money? But people loved them again. And um, so, yeah, that, that'd be nice to see that grow, and that'd be mm -hmm. another like revenue stream, if you like. So I think yeah. that's the thing these days, get all these different income streams and revenues coming in. So, um, yeah. So do you, the, is it, are they available online? They are. Yeah. I've got like an Etsy store. Okay. <laughs> I sound like a, a little old lady or something. Check out my Etsy store. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sell them all online. Um, shipping to America is criminal to be honest. It's, yeah, it's crazy. The last, year or so it's just gone through the roof um, mm. if anyone seriously wants one hit me up and we can work out the post any ship into the u.s i'd just do it at cost because it's probably costs as much as the actual frame itself yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah it's good fun and people just to see people come to the stalls and every time someone stops i always see them smile so mm -hmm. it's, it's ticking boxes somewhere people are into it yeah. So what do you hit up that, like you mentioned the comic cons and stuff is that those are the kind of conventions you go to? Yeah. This it's unbelievable how many there is actually, um, yeah. like from all different sizes, like small mm. what are called leisure centers and all that kind of thing. They're kind of my go-tos. Um, cause it's not as much, it's not as expensive to do those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just growing it slowly and slowly try and do as many of those as I can. Uh -huh. um, are are you a big collector of, old 80 stuff and like do you collect stuff i used to be i had to stop <laughs> it gets out yeah. of hand as you can it's see it's so fun though right yeah uh you could see my wall behind me you can yeah. see my cds and some dvds um down here is my entire vhs collection which i've still got I've yeah got some vhs is here um and all my books and stuff are here so um yeah, yeah I, I had to stop because like you i saved a bunch of my toys from back in the day yeah which i've still got in the attic yeah um, which is getting out of control <laughs> yeah i'm i get i get crap all the time from my wife about my toys yeah for a grown man with toys 
And there's so much cool stuff these days as well to buy constantly coming out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was into for a while was those Funko Pops. I don't know if you were into those, but I like. I've got maybe half a dozen of them. Yeah. I probably got about a few hundred up in my attic. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, you went all in on those. I did. I just, you know, I did. Once you bought one, it was just addicting for me. Mm -hmm. I just had to get another, get another, get another. So the the cool thing about those is um, they release stuff. Well, you can get Funko Pop figures for stuff you never see anything for. I mean, over here I've got a um, I've got a Kelly Bundy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Sherilyn Fenn one, and I've got a um, Corey Haim one from Lost Boys. You yeah. can't get any merchandise from right. any of those things anywhere else. Right. <laughs> so when it's something but, like that, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta have that. Yeah. But I had to stop too, so I don't. She's she's keep them in the boxes to... and everything. Oh yeah, I got some right up there. They're uh, what's up there? Oh, those are my Motley Crue and Aerosmith ones up there. Yeah. They're doing an Eddie Van Halen one as well. That's coming. out. I so. know it's not out yet. I don't think. No, I did it's get good. on the email list to be notified though, so it might be another. <laughs> <laughs> might have two hundred and one of them soon. Yeah, <laughs> super man. Oh man. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, listen, man, I, I really appreciate you getting up. What time is it over there? It's like early in the morning, right? It's 10 a.m. at the moment. Yeah. So I appreciate you getting up super early. <laughs> hey, like I said, you got to do what you got to do, yeah. right? But yeah, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, well, likewise, mate. I appreciate you reaching out and um, having me on your show. It's very yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. All righty. Well, listen, you take care and we'll talk soon. All right. You have a very Merry Christmas, mate. You too. All righty. Take care, Joe. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.